Welcome to New Books and Biography. I'm Oline Eaton. On May 19th, it will have been 20 years since the death of Jacqueline Onassis, a woman who remains to this day, to many Americans, the closest thing America has ever come to having a queen. And yet there was more to Jackie than the sheath dresses and the sunglasses. Today I'm going to be talking with Tina Santi Flaherty about her book, What Jackie Taught Us, Lessons from the Remarkable Life of Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, which has been re-released to commemorate the anniversary of Jackie's death. Hi, Tina. Thank you so much for joining us for New Books and Biography today. I wonder if you could just start things off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Well, okay. Um, I don't want to take too much time talking about myself, but uh, as you know, I'm from uh, the South, born in the same city where you were, Memphis, Tennessee. And in uh, Memphis, I had a television and a radio show and uh, was also discovered by the legendary Sam Phillips, the one who discovered Elvis and Johnny Cash and Howling Wolf and Carl Perkins. He also discovered me and I was a DJ on the nation's first all-girls radio station, WHER. Then I came to New York and worked in advertising and ultimately wound up as the uh, first female vice president of uh, Colgate Palmolive. Uh, reporting to the CEO, and at the time, there were only four other women like me in America that, in a Fortune 100 company that held similar positions. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I started writing books <laughs> after uh, my business career because I really am a creative spirit at heart, and I was really happy <laughs> when I could sort of do my thing. <laughs> and uh, and this, you know, this writing books allowed me to do my thing and express myself as I wanted to do without fear of recrimination, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so why Jackie? And also, what drew you to writing about her life in this particular way, rather than just doing a standard biography or something of that sort? Well, I've always been fascinated by what gave people... Give, you know, what gave people their edge? Why did this one rise up so high and another one rise up so high and other people just stayed at the foot of the mountain, but, mm-hmm. you know, and, and other people could climb to the top? So I really wanted to know what made Jackie this iconic figure. There, there have been other first ladies before and since, but none, none of them really ha- has a hold on America like Jackie does. So that's the reason that I, I wrote the book as I did. I I have a tendency to want to 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 help people learn from whatever source, and I thought if I did it like Jackie's lessons, what Jackie taught us, the lessons for the, her remarkable life, uh, I would have a chance to do this to to show them a, a roadmap for achievement, to show readers a roadmap for achievement that they could pick any part, and perhaps they wouldn't wind up reaching the heights that she did, but but anyway, ultimately finding satisfaction in their life. So that was my motivation. Mm-hmm. Plus, I would see her in the lobby because she lives in the same building. She lived in this building at 1045th for the final 30 years of her life. And I would see her in the lobby and that would just pique my curiosity even more. And, you know, like I was curious not only about the her achievements, the intellectual part, her courage, uh, her focus, her vision, but I was also interested in her diet, her dieting tips mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> so she was just totally fascinating across the board to me. <laughs> I think this is such an interesting concept for a book because it's something that biography often does. When people read about people's lives, it's because they want to know what made them tick or what made them live in a certain way. So we are often reading it to draw lessons from it. And so this just makes that very, very explicit and lays it at starts with that as a supposition for the book rather than kind of a hidden agenda, which I think is really, really interesting. 
Well, you're absolutely right. That's why I read these biographies. Mm-hmm. I want to know how they did it, whether it's Steve Jobs or whoever, you know. Mm-hmm. And the, that's that's why I read biographies, you know, for the lessons that they might teach me. Mm-hmm. So since Jackie is a person that most of us approach with a lot of preconceived notions, I'm curious, how would you explain her significance to someone who'd never heard of her? Maybe someone who's a lot younger or just or someone who's living on the moon and <laughs> had no clue who she was. How would you explain her? I, I think I would explain her significance by pointing out there was that Jackie is unique. There's only there's, there's, there'll never be another Jackie, and and I think I'd stress the fact that it was Jackie who changed the image of Americans uh, in much of the civilized world. Before we were like the ugly Americans with not much. Uh, uh, knowledge of music, art, literature, or even in the culinary arts. Jackie changed all of that. And uh, she, because she herself personified the opposite and was the epitome of a sophisticated cultural woman, it was important to her. And so I think that she almost single handedly changed the way America was perceived at home and abroad. Should I give you a few examples? Yeah, sure. Okay. See, what Jackie did was that. She chose to showcase the arts, and that's the way that she helped change the image of America. The Kennedys made history, as you probably you know, know with their after-dinner performances in the East Room, and they, sh- they showed off the best of the best in America to the world. And Jackie successfully made the White House America's bastion of culture. The famous invitation to Pablo Casals, you know, the famed cellist when she invited him to p- perform, that was the, la- the, 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 the that was the first time in 160 years <laughs> that chamber music had been played in the White House. Earlier, it was during Thomas Jefferson's administration. But so that's music, and then say in terms of uh, other com- uh, uh, musicians, as so she invited internationally known compo- composers like uh, Leonard Bernstein and Aaron Copeland to perform, and she invited some of the world's greatest actors. Basil Rathbone and Frederick March to recite excerpts from classical drama and fiction. And she got good food in the White House, too, remember? <laughs> Renee, I think his last name was Verdun. Mm-hmm. I could be pronouncing that wrong. But anyway, his first name is certainly Renee. But anyway, she got good food in, in the White House. And she entertained in the manner that she had um, had seen uh, done in Europe, you know, you know during her her. Uh, her student days, her junior year abroad, when she uh, went to school at the Sorbonne. I mean, she went to glittering dinner parties where, you know, the best of food and wine was served and and the emphasis was on uh, stimulating conversation and so on. I mean, she, she, uh, for example, in the White House, they used to use these big horseshoe tables with tall candelabras. Jackie put a stop to that. She did tables of eight with flowers in the middle and, and, uh, and of course cigarettes were popular then and people smoked with you know like little vases and vials of cigarettes and so on and so on and ashtrays and so on but she she made it the dinners, uh, the dinners intimate and, and, and impersonable where people could reach out to each other. Leonard Bernstein said that the, the you know, the difference to him was like night and day from when he was there during the Eisenhower administration versus the Kennedy years. <laughs> um, so could you walk us through one of the lessons in the book, just so listeners can get a sense of the interplay between the story and the leadership skills that you're talking about? Well, I, I think I'd probably start with um, the first one, which uh, the first chapter, which is uh, self-awareness. Um, I, I, you're probably familiar with uh, uh 
Ted Kennedy senators, Ted Kennedy, her brother-in-law's quote, and you know he said, "quote No one else looked like her, spoke like her, or was so original in the way she did things. No one we knew ever had a better sense of self." He said that at her funeral, May twenty-third, nineteen ninety-four. But Jackie, well, one lesson is, and is that you have to know your strong suits and your weak suits in order to achieve, because then you emphasize your strong suits and you avoid your weak suits. And Jackie knew what her strong suits were, and she avoided her weakness. Like for this is a, uh, one example. On her first date with Jack Kennedy, uh, you know, out of Washington, he invited her to a high Anna's board, and they all played. You know, the Kennedys were a, a sportive lot. <laughs> they all were playing touch football together, including Jackie, and she broke her ankle. Well, then and there, she decided no more touch football because she knew she wasn't any good at it. Instead, she talked about art and literature with Joseph Kennedy, you know, the, uh, Jack's father, on the porch. And it was those t- stimulating talks and the interplay between the two that convinced Joseph Kennedy that this was the the the, the right woman for his son to marry. So, you know, no, knowing her, her, her weak suits and her strong suits certainly helped. One of the essays in the book is by Andrew Roberts, who you might know his name because uh, writes a lot of books about uh, Napoleon, but um, and uh, Churchill as well. Churchill's my male hero, <laughs> and Jackie's my female hero. But um, uh, as uh, Andrew points out, um, is that Jackie and Napoleon were very similar in the fact that they knew what they were best at and they went for it, even though, you know, there's a, a, a big difference in the field of, uh, uh, in, in the arena in which they perform. But um, as Andrew says uh, in the essay, uh, he says, yet allied to talent, charm, intelligence, hard work, and other virtues, such as those that both Napoleon Bonaparte and Jacqueline Kennedy possessed in great measure. The self-confidence that springs from self-awareness can be one of the great naturally creative forces. So I think that, you know, just finding out, you know, who you are, and there's many ways that you can find out who you are. You can, for example, you can take some uh, sophisticated uh, aptitude tests, not the kind <laughs> that you, you mark things off on a list, but some very sophisticated uh, aptitude tests, such as uh, well, the Johnson O'Connor is just one of them that started at GE. It's a course, I don't even know how much it costs these days, but you know they, they test your verbal abilities, they test your mechanical abilities and so on, but you have to know what you're, you're good at. I, I sent uh, kids, you know, my kids through it, and I thought I'd take it myself, and uh, they gave me some um, uh, wiggly blocks to take apart and put together, and then I couldn't put them together. I was so frustrated, and I said, "What difference does this make?" They said, "Don't be a." They said, "Your ver- your spatial dimension skills are not that good. Don't be an architect, you know. Don't be a photographer, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Then I suddenly knew why I couldn't read house plans. You know, whenever I would remodel mm-hmm. something, they said the door goes here. The door. But you know, you have to know what you're good at. But then they gave me a simple sentence to test my verbal skills, and they said I was off the chart. You know, they gave me a one-liner, and they said most people you just give them. A sentence, you know, a, you know, um, a woman called Tina was talking to uh, a reporter in London. They couldn't get beyond that. So you have to know, you know, what you got. You have to know what your God-given talents are. Mm-hmm. And 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 Jackie was very well aware of that. And I think this chapter on on, on self-awareness, you know, explains it 
uh, like in good detail, and uh, and it it shows why Jackie really was able to achieve what she did. Mm-hmm. So, as you write in the book's epilogue, you were a bit surprised by all that you learned from writing about Jackie. Can you discuss that a bit? And also which lesson, which of these lessons was most valuable for you? For me personally? Yeah. Well, I, I, I did, I did learn a lot. And, um, I guess, I guess, uh, you might say that self-awareness was important to me, but also her courage for you know standing up for what she believed in and her courage to uh, to do things that the way that she wanted to do them um, that really stands out to me um, Jackie you know courage is one of those kind of things that you don't really know if you have it or not you know mm-hmm. people say I was courage to leave my hometown with you know a hundred dollars in my pocket and not know anyone, didn't know where I was going to stay or what I was going to do, didn't have a job. But it didn't seem courageous at the time. It seemed exciting. Um, So courage is a very quiet virtue. You don't know that you really have it and you know, until maybe later on you look back on your life and you say, oh boy, that was gutsy to do, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But Jackie had that, you know, like she had courage her whole life. Say, for example, I mean, I think, you know, like her, her choice to go back to the working world and to be uh, uh, an editor, you know, ultimately a double day. Well, I mean, with the world watching you, that was a very courageous uh, uh, thing to do because they wanted to know, will will this glamorous woman fail or succeed? But, I mean, I think the greatest example of her courage was during the sad, tragic days of the assassination uh, and the funeral that uh, that followed because Jackie held this country together. Mm -hmm. And when she took that historic walk, uh, behind the coffin, which she was forbidden to do by the Secret Service, because we it just not only had the president been assassinated, but Lee Harvey Oswald had been killed by Jack Ruby. They, they said, "No way, Mrs. Kennedy. You're supposed to you're going to you're supposed to ride in a car. There could be you know like you know a, a potential people, snipers on the top of buildings and so on. You know you know, you, you have to ride in the car." She said, "I'm not going to." And so. Um, so she, listen, when she when she decided to walk, you know, naturally leaders from all around the world, you know, Prince Philip, Haile Selassie, uh, De Gaulle, etc., they weren't going to let you know Jackie walk alone. So I mean, but it took great courage to do that. But that's but she was she felt that's the way it should be done. Mm-hmm. So I, I think her courage is 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 just a beautiful example of of a way to live live your life. The essays, as you know, I've got these 14 original right. essays. Um, the person who commented on Jackie's courage was Alan Packwood, who's the director of the Churchill Archives, uh, you know, at the University mm-hmm. of Cambridge. And uh, he calls his essay The Lion and the Lioness. But he says their courage, you know, w- was, very, was, was very similar. Uh, Churchill had his courage and you know, he he he, he got he got the uh, the UK you know, it, it, through the war, and uh, he, as a matter of fact, uh, President Kennedy's great quote was that he mobilized the English language and sent it into battle, <laughs> and the incandescent quality of his words illuminated the courage of his countrymen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I think courage is, is really important to me personally and I think you need to lead a life of courage uh, if you're going to, to achieve anything because I can look upon I can look at people who've 
mortgage their apartments or their house uh, to start a business. And, you know, and, and some of them were, were very, very successful. But it takes guts and courage to really, to, to really reach, as I say, the, the summit. Look, with, look at Steve Jobs, you know, building computers back in, with Waz back in his garage, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not listening and not listening to discouragement and so on. It takes guts. It does. Yes. You mentioned the essays. I actually wanted to, because I had the Hank O'Neill one had probably my favorite anecdote that I'd never heard before about how it, the, how Jackie was putting ice cubes and Bernice Abbott's, um, I don't know if it was wine or if it was liquor in her wine, watering it down so that Bernice Abbott would be able to make it to the dinner at that exhibit. I thought that was a great little story that I'd never heard before. Um, so the, the new essays that were added in this edition were really a delight to read. And it was interesting to see how they played off the themes that you had already developed as well. Yeah. I thought that was interesting too. Yeah. That was, uh, it, but that's, you know, that's vintage Jackie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you. Are there any elements of Jackie's personality that you rem- that you think are missing from her public image now, from the way that we look at her now? Well, yes. I don't think people realize, uh, uh, how intelligent she was and what leadership skills that she has. When I think of what's going on in New York now with all these tall skyscrapers going up on 57th Street and Rizzoli's, um, uh, you know, being shut down, this, as you know, this beautiful, beautiful, uh, uh, you know, bookstore, so mm-hmm. iconic. And, um, if, for example, someone put in the window of Rizzoli's because it's being shuttered and sh- it's going to be a skyscraper there. Someone put in the window this sign in the last couple of weeks, and they quoted Jacqueline Kennedy. Is it not cruel to let our city die by degrees, stripped of all her proud monuments, until there would be nothing left of all her history and beauty to inspire our children? Mm-hmm. If they are not inspired by the past of our city, where will they find the strength to fight for her future? We don't have anybody like her in New York right now. I wish we did. You know, her famous quote about they're stealing our sky when they were going to build this tall, tall building over at Columbus Circle. I mean, she was able to successfully stop that, Uh, not only by her, you know, she uh, she and the Municipal Art Society worked together, but so jointly they were able to stop that. And she thought of this really so visible and so right on right on the money uh, thing to do to illustrate the uh, shadows in Central Park that the people you know would feel if they were in the park she had people take black umbrellas and like uh, and, and like dominoes you know like they they first rode uh, Put up their umbrella, second row, third row, you know, just in a mm-hmm. chain reaction, and then people saw what the shadow would be like in the park. Mm-hmm. But uh, we really need her now because you know a, a lot of us are very concerned about you know these skyscrapers on 57th Street and elsewhere in the city. Mm-hmm. What it'll do to a quality of life, uh, how it might clog our streets, and a lot of these buildings are going to be empty because there's a lot of condominiums at the top because they'll be bought by people around the world and they won't be there most of the year probably they'll right. have a pied tier in New York though so we need her yeah I actually I hadn't read the um, Edward Kennedy eulogy in quite some time and I'd forgotten that I think he mentions there um, that the country really owes her a debt of gratitude for shaping Washington and New York for shaping the way those cities look now that she really helped preserve them 
for future generations, um, which I think she often gets associated with Grand Central, but not in a larger context of this city looks the way it does because she did something then. Oh, exactly. Grand yeah. Central Terminal, uh, the building I was just talking about at Columbus Circle. Mm-hmm. And remember when she prevented also uh, St. Bartholomew's Church, they wanted to uh, oh, yeah. tear down their community house and build a, a tall uh, you know, skyscraper there. Well, she, you know, she found a way you know, to, to convince them to do otherwise. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. And then, look, she gave us the Temple of Dender. Right. And I look so at, I, I, I look at, uh, at night, I look at it every night. Oh, how lucky. It oh, that's fabulous. <laughs> it's such a beautiful yeah. thing. Yes, yeah. it is. So I think we've kind of hit upon this question already, but what do you see as Jackie's legacy? Uh, I see her legacy as a, a woman of courage, but I also see her legacy as a very creative individual who stepped who stepped forth uh, when it was necessary to to do the right thing by our, our country. And I'm talking about how she saved those uh, those uh, historic homes in Lafayette Square in Washington D.C. I'm talking about the things that I just referred to, uh, Grand Central Terminal and beyond, uh, or the the Temple of Dender. So I think she will, part of her strongest part, well, one of the strongest parts of her legacy will be historic preservation. Mm -hmm. I think also she she proves something that it's not easy for some attractive women to, um, uh, to... she proved that it was possible to be famous, glamorous, and serious at mm-hmm. the same time. You know, a lot of women are, are stereotyped, except maybe if they're attractive uh, in Hollywood, you're not, of course, or in the fashion industry or the beauty industry. But in corporate America, politics, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you know, they can focus on your style over the over substance, which is so wrong. I mean, for just because a woman happens to be attractive, you know, you know, they they people don't go beyond that as far as they should, you know, mm-hmm. unless they're constantly exposed to the individual. But there were a lot of smarts underneath that pillbox hat that I don't think people realize. I think most people focus maybe on the more, and it's understandable, that's what, you know, maybe they haven't studied her as much as you and I have, but they focus on, you know, her her bravery um, at the time of the assassination. And they also focus on her superb taste, you know, on her big, gla- dark sunglasses and, and uh, you know, the way that she put herself together, never too much, you know, always removing a piece of jewelry or, <laughs> or hiding her pearls and so the collar of her neck, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the, that's, that's the image of most pe- people have of her, you know, it, which is not a bad image or anything like that, but there's Jackie was a very complex woman mm-hmm. and there were many, many moving parts of her. So do you have a favorite Jackie story? Favorite Jackie story? Well, I liked her way with words because, uh, like you, I like words. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I liked her quote, you know, that we just discussed about they're stealing our skies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, when Onassis died, she gave a beautiful and a, and a, and a quote uh, without getting too personal, you know, like he right. brought me, 
he met me at a time, I've got it in my book, I'll have mm-hmm. to find it for you, but it, uh, he met me at a time when my life was engulfed in shadows, and he brought me into a world of, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I, I like the way that she handled that, you know, because at the time they were estranged. And it, she was just always perfect in her words. I can hardly think of a time that, you know, that, that she misspoke. Right. And you know when she, when Frank Sinatra called her America's Queen, I think he was he was right on, mm-hmm. right on the money. <laughs> Do you think that interest in her will continue? Oh, I, I mean, think, obviously, it's twenty years later, and we're still talking yeah. about it. <laughs> oh, I, I think will I think the world will always be fascinated mm-hmm. with with the Kennedys, but particularly Jack and Jackie, right. you know, the King and the Queen <laughs> of the Kennedys, and. Um, and I think as as you get to know Jackie Moore and her achievements and get to know these parts of her that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, you can't, I mean, my admiration for her in 10 years has grown even larger. And I was, uh, you know, I, I, I was a, a Jackie fan before. Oh, here's the exact uh, Aristotle, the quote she gave about Aristotle and Ascus. Uh, Aristotle Nassus rescued me at a time when my life was engulfed with shadows. He brought me into a world where one could find both happiness and love. We lived through many beautiful experiences together, which cannot be forgotten, and for which I will be eternally grateful. Jackie took the high road in, in all of her quotes. You know, Nassus mm-hmm. was trying to bring her down in the press. And, uh, you know, she didn't participate in that. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today about what Jackie taught us. I've been talking today with Tina Santee-Flaherty about her book, What Jackie Taught Us, Lessons from the Remarkable Life of Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. I'm Olay Neaton. This is New Books and Biography. Thanks for listening.